You know, I often begin the welcome to our worship service, as I did today, by saying that you're in good company here, whether you have lots of strong faith or you have lots of doubts and questions or are somewhere in between. And I wonder where you put yourself on that continuum. Do you feel settled and at ease when it comes to faith? Or do you feel like it's a toss-up? This story from John's Gospel allows us to address the topic of doubt head-on. In some faith communities, doubt is frowned upon as if it's some kind of deficiency of character. Nobody wants to be labeled a doubting Thomas. But I believe that that is a gross misunderstanding. I believe this story exists to acknowledge the fact that doubt is part of the experience of everyone who's trying to be a follower of Jesus, especially those of us who are living um, all these years after Jesus's earthly life and presence physically. So I want to begin not by looking at Thomas's doubt in this story, which I, by the way, I take as a parable, but rather at Jesus's doubt. Yes, Jesus experienced doubt. There are at least three indications that we have about Jesus's doubt. First, Jesus came to doubt what everybody around him believed about God. Jesus became to doubt even what his Hebrew Bible said about God. In what way? Well, it's called the doctrine of retribution, meaning that you get what is coming to you. The Hebrew Bible teaches that if you do right and you're faithful to obey, you will be blessed by God. Alternatively, if you are unfaithful and disobedient, God will curse you. Now, many people still believe that today. Maybe you're one of them. I hope not. Now, I want to acknowledge that this is not the only view expressed in the Hebrew Bible. The whole book of Job is about how that, that karma-like theology doesn't work out. People like Job should have been blessed but he suffered horribly. So his friends, believing that he was being cursed by God for some secret sin, accused him. But they were, they were wrong. Job was righteous, but he suffered. So the book of Job does represent an alternative view, but that is the minority voice, and it did not win the debate. Overwhelmingly, the Hebrew Bible proclaims blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. That's what God is like or so it was said. At some point in his life, Jesus started doubting if that were true. Why? Well, the indication that we have from the Gospels is that Jesus concluded that that view of God just did not match his experience of the world. So when asked about whose fault it was that that man was born blind, the disciples assume two options. Either it was the blind man's fault, although that's hard to believe since he was blind from birth before he had a chance to do anything wrong, or that it was his parents' fault, although that too seems unfair. That's why they asked Jesus the question. For them, it was a puzzle. Suffering blindness must be a curse, so someone's sin had to be the basis for it. But whose? And Jesus' answer reveals that he had doubted 
the doctrine of retribution to the point that finally he just rejected it. Who sinned? That man who was born blind or his parents? Jesus said, neither. He said, it doesn't work that way. Jesus said, God makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends his rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. He also said, God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. So Jesus doubted what everyone had taught him about God and came to a different conclusion based on his experience. The second occasion of Jesus' doubt was more existential than theological. It was in the garden of the Mount of Olives on the night of his arrest. This is subtle, but I think we can see doubt in Jesus' heart and mind as he prayed for the cup of suffering to be taken from him. Maybe he was just doubting his own courage, but I think it went beyond simple fear. I believe he doubted whether or not God would be there for him. He overcame that doubt, but he experienced it. The third case is the most intense and the most unmistakable. The Gospels report that on the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is doubt, pure and simple. Yes, even Jesus doubted God. Jesus felt literally God forsaken. If Jesus himself doubted God, then doubt is baked into the cake of Christianity. Of course it is. Suffering is horrible. We don't understand it. We ask why and we look for reasons. But sometimes there are no reasons, like when someone is born blind or dies of COVID or cancer. Who can explain why some people have mental illness or some people are victims of gun violence? And the explanation cannot be that God is simply letting suffering that could have been prevented happen. That kind of a God would not be good. That kind of God would not be love. That kind of God would not be the God that Jesus taught us to trust. God, I have come to understand, is not a being at all. God is the ground of being, that which makes existence possible. God is spirit. God is present everywhere and to everyone. And God is not controlling because love would never seek to control the loved one. God is present spiritually, luring us, coaxing us, encouraging us to goodness even after we've experienced suffering or evil. Now, the name that we give to the Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Some theologians have called him the cosmic Christ because he's present throughout the world and throughout time. But because God's spiritual presence is invisible and because suffering does happen, it is impossible to avoid times of doubt. It was impossible even for Jesus to avoid times of doubt. But doubt doesn't change anything. God did not abandon Jesus, 
and God does not abandon us. So John told a dreamlike story, a parable, about Jesus appearing twice inside of a locked room after his crucifixion. Each time, his message is peace. He commissions his fearful followers, sending them just as he had been sent to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And he breathed on them, symbolically converting the invisible spirit of God into them, just as God breathed the breath of life into Adam, according to the creation story. And doubting Thomas is part of that story too, because, because all of this can be hard to believe. But we can do hard things. We can believe things that we cannot see. We can affirm that despite local setbacks, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice, as Dr. King said. We can believe in the power of love to conquer evil, even though there are still mass shootings, and even though people in this state refuse to pass a hate crime law, and even now when transgendered people are being trampled upon and minority votes are being cleverly suppressed, the struggle continues, and we believe that justice and equity and inclusion will prevail. We have not seen Jesus with our own eyes, or heard him pronounce blessings on the meek and the peacemakers and those who hunger and thirst for justice. But we have read and believe the blessing that Jesus gave to all when he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Not that you will avoid all moments of doubt, but that you will take the risk that it's worth believing, meaning trusting, even through times of doubt, just like Jesus did.